What's up, y'all? I'm jumping on real quick to ask you all to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, make sure to leave me a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Why? Well, the obvious reason is, of course, I want to hear from you all and I want to know how the episodes are landing with you. But the more important reason is when you leave a review, it helps other people to find my podcast. So ultimately, you are joining me in the quest to helping others become more culturally aware by spreading the word and helping them to walk a day in my culture. So after you hear this episode, take a few minutes at the end and leave me a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change, one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the podcast. Ernest Everett Just 1883 to 1941. Ernest Everett Jess was recognized as one of this country's most distinguished biological scientists. He formulated new concepts of cell life and metabolism and pioneered investigations of egg fertilization. Jess was born August 14, 1883 in Charleston, South Carolina. His father was a dock worker and his mother was a school teacher. Just's father died when he was only four and he was forced to start working as a field hand. When he finished high school at age 17, Mrs. Just made a courageous and far-sighted decision to send him north for further schooling. Just managed to graduate from Kimball Union Academy in New Hampshire as valedictorian of his class despite the gross racial injustice he faced. He entered Dartmouth College and received degrees in both history and biology. He was elected to Pi Beta Kappa in his junior year and was the only student in his class to graduate magnum cum laude. It was at Dartmouth that he decided to become a research biologist specializing in cytology, the study of cells. In 1912, he became head of the biology department at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and held this position until his death. In the meantime, he also became a member of the faculty at the Howard School of Medicine and headed the physiology department. He received a PhD in zoology, magnum cum laude, from the University of Chicago in 1916. For 20 years, Dr. Just studied and carried out experiments with the reproductive cells of marine animals at the Marine Biological Laboratory in Cape Cod. He endeavored to contribute to the body of facts, concepts, and theories by improving his understanding of cell life. He felt that if he understood the functions of normal and abnormal cells, science would be armed with the knowledge needed to treat many of the ills that plagued humans, such as cancer, leukemia, sickle cell anemia, and other diseases involving abnormal cell life. Dr. Just also blazed new trails in designing techniques for collecting eggs and sperm cells and laboratory methods of working with the cells. 
He became an authority of identification procedures to ensure that cells used in experiments were normal, healthy cells. During his lifetime, he authored two books, Basic Methods for Experiments on Eggs of Marine Animals and The Biology of Cell Surface. In his book, The Biology of Cell Surface, Dr. Jess put forth his major theory that the surface of the cell, cell membrane, was as important to the life of a cell as its nucleus. Dr. Jess was a contributing editor to various scientific journals and published more than 60 research papers in leading biological journals. He received many honors for his accomplishments. In 1950, he was the first recipient of the prestigious Spingarn Medal of the NAACP. Although he was never invited to conduct research at any of America's noble laboratories, he was invited to serve as guest researcher at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Biology in Germany, the greatest academy of physics, chemistry, and biology in the world. He also received similar invitations from the Sobigny in Paris and the Zoological Station in Naples, Italy. Dr. Ernest Just died of cancer at age 58 on October 27, 1941. There have not been many Americans who have revolutionized man's thinking through science like Dr. Just. He strove hard, not for prizes or world acclaim, but to prove himself as a man in search of the truth through science. In doing so, Dr. Just perhaps has come closer than any other American to revolutionizing our thinking about the nature of living substances. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by talking about the daily experiences I have as a Black woman. Now, look, you might as well just say it with me. What is my mantra? I believe that if you guys can hear my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, and that should help you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. So let's get into today's episode, which is entitled Cultural Decision Made. Now, before I get into the episode, unfortunately, yet again, I just have to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that we have lost yet another black life. And I feel like, like, is this what we doing? Am I going to have to come on here and talk about this all the time? Am I going to have to write about this all the time? It's just sad. So I've decided I'm going to just, when I learn about this information, I'm going to just take a moment of silence and just honor the black life that has been lost. Now, I'm not going to get every single black life because I got to protect my cultural wounds. And I don't watch the news like that because it makes me anxious. It makes me angry. And I just, I can't be walking around like that. However, sadly, I had to learn about another black life that was lost. So let's just take a moment to honor Mr. George Floyd May he rest in peace.
All right. Anyway, let's try and focus on something that is inspiring and uplifting because Lord knows I know if I don't and if I keep focusing on all these black men that's getting killed, black women that's getting killed, black babies that's getting killed, I'm going to be ready to go out and fight somebody. So I'm going to just try to uplift us a little bit in today's episode. And before I get into the meat of today's episode, what did y'all think of our black scientist today? Mr. or should I say Dr. Just, he wasn't he a bad scientist? He was, ooh, and bad in a good way. Like, so inspiring all the things that he did. Like, talk about revolutionary in biology. I mean, gone ahead, Dr. Ernest Everett Just. So inspiring. Anyway, speaking of inspiring, today's episode is inspired by my daughter's trip to the doctor. So she went to the doctor today and, you know, I have to laugh because if y'all listen to episode 25, which was called A Cultural Bind, then you know I was having a serious dilemma about whether or not I should switch my daughter to the black pediatrician that I had to see one time when my daughter, um, when her doctor wasn't available. And if y'all listen to that episode, y'all know I went and snuck and saw that doctor twice because she is just, she dope. And so that episode, you should really go back and listen to it. I ain't gonna do a whole recap. That's, that's why it's there. So go ahead and listen to it. I'll leave Um, I'll try to leave a link in the show notes. I'm not sure if I'll be able to, but I'll try. Um, But uh, if you listen to that episode, then you you know I was having a whole dilemma about the fact that I really wanted my daughter to be surrounded by Black excellence. And I really wanted her to have a Black doctor um, because her doctor is white. And... You know, I kind of laughed a little bit in that in that episode because her doctor is like white, white, like she is like blonde hair, blue eyes, valley white, like she is white, white. She ain't trying to be nothing else but the white woman that she is. And so I just was having a hard time because my doctor has seen this. My daughter has seen, excuse me, this other doctor that is black and she like black black right so we got the two ends of the spectrum I mean she's like dope black she you know have her hairstyle very black she come in with a very black swag like the the um medical assistant is African I mean it just was oozing in black excellence and I was having such a hard time um and so I told y'all I would update y'all on what I decided to do um, in regards to whether I was going to keep the doctor or switch doctors. And this is that episode where I'm going to update y'all and let y'all know what happened. But I'm going to also give y'all some information that can help keep your cultural wheels turning in case you need to make a cultural decision. Um, So, you know, I got to paint the story. And so since that episode, 
I have been real critical of my daughter's doctor. Now, mind y'all, the last little tip I give you if you haven't listened to that episode is my daughter's doctor is also my doctor. So she's a family medicine doctor and the black doctor that I took my daughter to see is a pediatrician. So that just give you some whole other context right there because it ain't like I don't know it's my daughter's doctor like I am very well versed with her because she is my doctor too right and so I have been ooh, y'all I've been real critical of my daughter's doctor since then I've been paying attention to everything and so at a point she was not responding to my emails and I think that's because I had emailed the black doctor after that episode and I had just kind of like had some questions that of course my doctor could have answered but I wanted the black doctor to answer the questions I was just I was I'm telling you I was being real critical and just paying attention to everything to help me make my decision and so my doctor and my daughter's doctor was just taking forever to reply to my email and so that made me be like oh Okay, so now this white woman don't want to respond to my email because I asked the black doctor a question. So I was just going all in my head, feeling some kind of way. But you got to remember, my doctor is very responsive. And so she was, you know, not being responsive. And so I was like, oh, okay, you're going to help me make my decision, sweetie. And then COVID happened. So... If you are listening in real time, then you know we are all still dealing with this damn pandemic that is just atrocious, that is awful in every way possible. Got us all quarantined in the house, got people losing loved ones. It's just awful. It's awful. And if you are not listening in real time, then I pray to God that COVID is over and you don't know what I'm talking about. But COVID happened. And the way my doctor responded to handling the care of my child had me take a real serious step back and really reevaluate if I wanted to continue with her or have a black doctor and I started really asking myself is the simple fact that a doctor is black and that you black is that a reason to switch So I'm going to answer that question after I come back from this commercial break. Y'all know how it go. Go ahead, kick your feet up, change your position, or get you a snack, or go get you something to drink, take a little bathroom break, whatever you do, go ahead and do it while I pay my bills. But like I always say, listen to all the commercials, not just this set of commercials, but the next set of commercials too, because y'all never know where I'm going to just plop in that other black historian that we are going to be doing until the wheels fall off. All right, I'll be right back. Hey, you guys, this is the section of the commercial break where I give you all some updates on what's happening with my business. As I always say, I encourage you to listen to this whole commercial and the rest of the commercials because I have included some pretty cool cultural announcements throughout this episode. 
Also, I want you to remember that my business updates change. So do not assume that this commercial is the same as last week's episode because my commercials change from episode to episode. Um, You can just expect for it to randomly change. So make sure that you are always listening to it all the way through so that you can know what is happening and what updates are happening with my business. Alrighty. So what am I up to now? Well, let me catch you up. Um, Many of you know I have been promoting my book, Understanding and Working Within the Issues in the Black Community, which was set to be released on September 18th. Yes, I said was. The release date is changing because I have decided to switch publishing companies. Now, I know that might seem like a bummer to y'all, but for me, this is actually very exciting because I feel confident that I'm making this decision at the right time. And I just really want to make sure that what I'm giving you guys is on point. And so I've decided to switch companies because I want to make sure my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed. And I really, really feel like that this is going to um, really be done with the company that I'm deciding to switch over to. So just keep out a listening ear for when the new release date for my book will be. Y'all already know what the book is about. You already know that this is the book for you. And in case you forgot, go on ahead and check out the description on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. If you have already pre-ordered your book, a refund has been issued to you. Um, but keep your coins, honey because my book will be available for purchase sooner than you think, okay? So keep an eye out for that. What is still very much available for pre-order is my cultural edition planner. That will be released still on November the 6th. Many of you know I make planners. I love to plan. And so when you combine my love for planning and my love for culture, who better to get you on your planning goals for next year than me. I really believe that being culturally aware is a daily journey and I am the perfect person to help you reach those goals because you got to be culturally aware year round, right? So go ahead, pre-order your planner on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. You can find the planner for pre-order under the books and products tab. And that is also where you can find the description of my book, Understanding and Working within the issues in the black community. All right, y'all, these are the current updates for my business. Feel free to check them out on my website and they will help you bloom into your best self. All right, y'all. So I am back. So the question I left y'all hanging with was, is the simple fact that a doctor is black and you black, is that a reason to switch? And that's a question I asked myself. And the answer, y'all, are you ready? Y'all ready? The answer is no. Okay. And I'm going to give you the two ways I came up with this decision. The first is a question that I asked myself, and the second is a fact, okay? Now, let me tell you, again, the way my doctor handled my child's care during this coronavirus, 
that's all I needed. That's all the confirmation I needed because I, I I was struggling. And let me tell you, I did pray about it. I talked to Jesus and I just was like, I don't know what to do. And that hands down made me make my decision. So let me tell y'all. So the question that I asked myself was why? Why am I going to keep my daughter's doctor and not go with the black pediatrician? Well, it boiled down to four reasons. One was protective, two was concerned, three was trustworthy, and four was self-disclosure. Let me explain to y'all what I mean by those things. And this can be something that you can keep in your cultural repertoire and use it for yourself or use it to help other people be culturally aware. So the first reason that I am keeping my child's doctor is because she is protective and like protective. And even today, it was like, I've been had made my decision that I was keeping her as my daughter's doctor. But even today, it was kind of like, uh, Narissa, nope, we're gonna slow your roll. And she really is protective of my child. And I can appreciate that, especially being a black woman in a society where medical staff have like used us as experimental beings and not viewed us as human and really didn't care about protecting us, I can appreciate this. So just a small example um, is I wanted a particular nurse today to do my daughter's vaccines because the last nurse that did her vaccine, he was way too, like he was too rough. My child was bleeding a little bit more than normal at the injection site. And I just, I wasn't feeling it. He was real nice. He was cool, but he just, you know, he a man, he was a little heavy handed. And I'm sorry, man out there, if you think I'm being sexist, I'm sorry. Y'all just a little heavy handed sometimes. And so I didn't want him because the lady that had prior, had been given my daughter's vaccines prior, like, yeah, the baby go cry. Yeah, she go bleed. But it wasn't, it wasn't nothing like when he gave it. And so I had emailed her and asked if, you know, she could give the shots. Well, I come in today, you know, you got to go through all this stuff with COVID and you just, you can't just walk in the hospital no more. Like it's a real, it's a real thing. Like it's security is on lock. And the lady that gave the vaccines was doing the check-in and I was like, oh man, I really wanted you to give my daughter her vaccines. So when the doctor came in, she told me, I saw your email and I've already switched him. I've, I've switched out for a different nurse. And so she told me the nurse's name and I was like, oh yeah, I think that's her because she's downstairs um, checking people in. And so when she came back, <laughs> the doctor started describing the nurse and she was like, is she short? And I was like, no, no, she's long and she has like a, she's tall and she has a long ponytail. And she was like, oh, okay, let me just go double check. So my doctor comes back and she's like, you know what? We're going to go with this other nurse. Um, she's given my daughter um, vaccines. We're not going to go with that other one. I mean, I know you want her. I know you prefer her, but we got to remember she outside interacting with people like all day. And this nurse been upstairs and she ain't been nowhere else. And I was like, thank you. I had to straight up be like, thank you. Because me as a mom being anxious, number one, of getting her in the hospital, because y'all should have seen how I had the child covered up. And <laughs> Then also being anxious that she got to get her vaccines and I'm there by myself. My husband couldn't go with me because he can't, he can't go with me to the hospital no more because we just can't go together. 
And so I had gotten past the anxiety of getting to the hospital. And now it was the anxiety of like, I don't want this rough nurse giving my child no shot. And I wasn't even thinking, Lord, forgive me. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm keeping it real because I'm raw. I wasn't even thinking of the fact that she was in contact with all these people. Even if she wasn't touching them, she still was, people was passing her all day. And my doctor was real protective. So I was like, you see, that's, that's a good reason to keep this doctor. Another reason, the second reason is her concern. So when COVID first started, it was literally, y'all remember me talking about having to cancel my baby's birthday party. It was literally right around the time she turned a year. And so she wasn't able to go for her 12 month checkup which I really wanted her to do because she's a petite little girl. And so I just wanted to make sure she was growing properly. And she is growing just fine, by the way. She's going to be that girl, y'all. It's just a quick side note. My baby is going to be that girl that is itty bitty with such a big appetite and she don't gain a pound, okay? And all of us going to be rolling our eyes at her because she's going to have this cute little frame And she got a real serious appetite, but let me tell you, she's so petite. She's so petite. Anyway, so I really wanted her to go to her 12-month checkup, but my doctor was like, her words verbatim, y'all, when this first started, she kind of, I was like, well, should I bring her in, like, to get her vaccines and to get checked? And she was like, I mean, you can do what you want to do, but I'm telling all my patients, like I would tell my friends and family, because I consider y'all friends and family, until we figure this shit out, I wouldn't bring my child up here. I'm not bringing my kids up here. And y'all, verbatim, that is what she said. And I just, I know that might be like, well, why are you so excited about that, Narissa? And like, why are you so shocked? But I'm telling you, when I tell you, this woman is not trying to be anything but like the white woman that she is. So when she cussed, it threw me off. It caught me by a a loop. And that let me know that she was just really, really concerned about like, my baby and her well-being and just making sure that she was okay. And that means a whole lot to me, especially as a black mother. And especially since... Hello again. Yes, it's me. (laughs) I had to pause the podcast to just promote my monthly newsletter. Are you subscribed to my newsletter? If so, I really thank you for your subscription. It is greatly appreciated. If not, you are missing out. What are you waiting for? Go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. I have two versions of my newsletter. I have a free version and I have a paid version. Both of them are outlined on my website so you can find out what subscription works best for you. Honestly, it's not an excuse for you to not subscribe. I mean, what do you have to lose? You have a free version and you have a paid version. Both versions are high quality. They are superb and you get cultural knowledge dropped on you every single month. So go subscribe. Again, go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. Look under newsletter subscriptions, read the description, see which one works for you. Again, they are both very high quality, regardless of if you have the free version or the paid version and sign up, like sign 
up. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's get back into the rest of this podcast. This pandemic is just hitting the black community way harder than it needs to. So that was another reason for me to be like, okay, this is the doctor. Um, The third reason is that I just feel like she's trustworthy. These things just in and of themselves have added to the trust that I already deep down within my heart have about my doctor. Because I mean, y'all, like, I've been seeing this doctor for 12 years. <laughs> like, let's just let's just slow your roll, Narissa, and like really think things through. I've literally seen this doctor since 2008. That's 12 years ago. And so I've not changed her. I've always liked her vibe. I've always liked her energy. Um, but me being like uber protective over my baby and wanting to make sure that she's getting the proper treatment and the proper care you know, had me kind of questioning, but these things with this coronavirus have really, really built my trust with her um, and has really made me just kind of be like, okay, like she really means you well. She means your family well. She followed up with me throughout like those miscarriages that I had. You know, she was very happy for me when I finally got pregnant. And I mean, so she, she's been a a little stamp in my life, you know, keeping it real. Um, And then the final thing is self-disclosure. I mean, if y'all have read any of my newsletters about building a a relationship with Black people, this is a big thing that I always talk about. I think self-disclosure is important because we are a people that thrive on stories. We are a people that thrive on sharing experiences. And if we are always kind of sharing with you and being vulnerable, and then you just sitting back taking in information. I'm just like, I ain't finna share nothing else with you. I don't know nothing about you. That ain't cute. You know all about me. And so I feel like a lot of professionals, for whatever reason, avoid self-disclosure, which I just think is lame. Like you ain't got to tell nobody where you live and what you did last night. But I mean, if you up in my face and all up in my nose and listen to my heart and doing my physical check, can I know something about you? And that's one thing about this doctor. I know a little bit about her experience, a little bit about her story. Um, She has shared some things with me that have, I think, gone a little bit above and beyond, but not sharing it in a friendship way. She always does it, like I always say, in a way to loop back to the medical issue that I am bringing up. And so even today when she was like, this nurse is cool. She's given my daughter shots before. Um, And I've even ran into this doctor, my doctor, in the hospital before COVID happened and was finally able to meet her girls. And so it's kind of like, I finally get to like, I see a little face to you know, these, these kids. And she wasn't weird or anything about it. She introduced her girls to me and um, she introduced me to them. And it was just a cute thing, you know? We just happened to be at the same spot in the hospital and she was off that day. And so it's these little pieces that have made me feel like, you know what, I think this is a good decision to keep my doctor. Um, After this commercial break, I'm gonna get into some facts that actually sealed my cultural decision as to why I decided to keep my doctor and not go with the black doctor um, for my baby. So take, let's take a quick little moment and take a bathroom break, change your position, get a snack, get some water. You know how the drill go. Listen to all the commercials and I'll be right back. 
Lewis Howard Latimer, 1848 to 1928. Lewis Howard Latimer was a pioneer in the development of the electric light bulb. He was the only black member of the Edison Pioneers, a group of distinguished scientists and inventors who worked with Thomas Edison. Latimer, whose father was a former slave, was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts in 1848 and raised in Boston. At age 16, Latimer enlisted in the Navy and served as a cabin boy on the USS Massoit for the remainder of the Civil War. In 1865, after receiving an honorable discharge, he returned to Boston seeking work. His skill in mechanical drawing enabled him to secure a position with Crosby and Gold, patent solicitors. The work of the patent draftsman fascinated young Latimer, and he taught himself draftsmanship skills. Becoming confident, he asked to be allowed to submit some drawings. The request was begrudgingly granted, but Latimer's impressive work earned him the position of junior draftsman, and in a short time, he was advanced to chief draftsman. During the late 1870s, he married Mary Wilson and later fathered two daughters. Around 1876, Alexander Graham Bell had recognized his need for a highly skilled draftsman to prepare blueprints for his new invention, the telephone. Bell went to Crosby and Gold, and it was Latimer who was given the assignment to draw the plans for Bell's telephone patent. In 1879, Latimer left Crosby and Gold to work as a draftsman for Hiram Maximum, who invented the machine gun and also headed the U.S. Electric Lighting Company in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Although electricity was in its infancy, Latimer perceived it to be the wave of the future. Latimer proceeded to work on improving the quality and life of the carbon filament used in the light bulb. In 1882, he received a patent for what was probably his most important invention, an improved process for manufacturing carbon filaments. This process proved far superior to any other due to long-lasting properties because the carbon filaments made from the cellulose excuse me, of cotton thread or bamboo were excellent conductors of electricity. He assigned this patent and others to the U.S. Electric Lighting Company. Latimer left Maximum and transferred to the engineering department at the Edison Company in 1884. He supervised the installation of Edison's electric light systems in New York, Philadelphia, Canada, and London. Six years later, Latimer was assigned to the legal department where he performed an inevitable service as an expert witness defending Edison's patents in court. Millions of dollars were at stake. Based on Latimer's testimony, Edison won his case because of Latimer's vast knowledge of electric patents. Latimer was a man of many talents and skills, not limited to electrical inventions. Volumes of his love poems were privately published. He also authored a book in 1890 entitled Incandescent Electric Lighting.
Louis Latimer did more than just help to bring electric lights to the streets of New York and its office buildings, homes, and subway stations. Through his many activities, he brought quote-unquote light to the lives of those around him. He worked for civil rights organizations and taught recent immigrants mechanical drawing and the English language in a New York City community center. Louis Latimer's death in 1928 was mourned the world over. In honor of his significant contributions to America's Industrial Revolution, the Louis H. Latimer Public School, dedicated on May 10, 1968, in Brooklyn, New York, bears his name. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like really considered your culture first, not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one st.org. We are so excited about this and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. All right, so I'm back. So the biggest reason I struggled and I mean struggled with deciding if I wanted my baby to have a black doctor is because I really, like, for real, y'all, I just want my child to grow up with all the blackness around her and and the black excellence because we are so underrepresented in society. And that, like, the, the ironic thing is that's really not how it is, though. Like, America is not comprised of majority of white people. Like, that's just not what it is. Like, America is full of color and I mean color color right and so but for whatever reason it's so hard to find adequate representation of black excellence and I just want my child to be surrounded by that on every level and I don't care how people feel about that you could you could say whatever you want to say you could say that's excluding other people I I really don't care okay because we have been excluded for years decades centuries okay generations and so call it what you want to call it but my child is going to grow up knowing that her black is beautiful and her black is excellent okay um 
And so that was one of the big reasons that I was like, let me just get this black doctor. But you know what? I had to really think of the facts. The fact of the matter is my daughter is surrounded already by black excellence. I mean, you know, look at her mama and look at her daddy. I'm just, you know, I got to toot our own horns. But the truth is, look at us. Like we are, we are black excellence. I am a dope black woman and her daddy is a dope black man. And we over here doing it. Like we are doing it. We are doing good in our career. You know, thank God we like have like some things that we didn't necessarily have growing up. Like we actually own property. Like we are, we are, we black excellence. You know, I'm going to just, I'm going to just sit with that for a second. Cause we are, we are black excellent and we are doing the damn thing. And our baby is going to grow up and she's going to see that. And she's going to be like, okay, mama do that. I can do that too. Daddy do that. I can do that too. And so, right, just that has her surrounded by by black excellence. And then if we throw in other stuff, that just makes it better. So the other things that are facts in our life is the Association of Black Psychology, our local chapter. That is black excellence at its finest. I mean, my daughter has come in contact with Dr. Wade Nobles more times than once, okay? And just just being able to be in the vicinity of him is just black excellence. My husband got a book by Naeem Akbar, took a picture with him when I was pregnant and didn't even know I was pregnant. So she'd been in the presence of him. And I mean, the list goes on of all the black greats that be in these black psychology meetings that love up on my baby and be like loving her. I mean, to the point where people don't like got at me, like, um, where are pictures of faith? We are not really concerned about you and art right now. Y'all just her parents. Where are the pictures of the baby? And so she, she is surrounded by that black excellence and they welcome her in all the meetings, in any of the Zoom calls that we're doing right now, in any of the trainings. And so she is surrounded by Black excellence with that. And of course, friends and family, right? She's surrounded by other examples of Black families that have like, you know, Black excellence going on in their lives and up in their in their homes. She's surrounded by um, family members that have great achievements, um, who have done wonderful things in their lives. So she's surrounded by that. And of course, y'all know her education, her little bookshelf. If y'all follow me on Instagram, you know, I recently updated her little bookshelf and I had to add a shelf or two. And each shelf has like a black book on display with a black kid on the cover. And so I'm very much into making sure that she has black books by black authors um, that she can read and like hear of the black experience. And right now it's, it's a trip that at 14 months, my child be reaching for the enough book by Grace Byers. She be really wanting to read the book, like, and we'll sit and read the book. Like it's like, it's just a whole full fest of a whole bunch of entertainment. And it's a book with some pictures, but I think she loves it because it's just full I wouldn't say it's full, full of blackness, but it's full of enough blackness. And then the other gaps, so to speak, are other people and little girls of color. So she loves that book. And then when I do introduce her to TV, 
in the next couple of months. I'm gonna try to make it until she two. Um, she will be watching black cartoons. Like, I mean, she gonna watch the other stuff like the Sesame Street and all of that, but I'm gonna make sure I do some research and find an educational black kitty show that she can watch so that she can see depictions of herself in everything that she is kind of playing with and surrounded by. So, you know, those was the facts and those was the reasons. And I guess it boils down to like, why did I make this decision? You know, I gave y'all them four reasons. And what are the facts? Is my child actually surrounded by black excellence? And the answer is yes. So even without this doctor, and this black pediatrician, my baby still is surrounded by black excellence, you know? And so that is my rant for today. You know, I don't I don't think it was too much of a rant. I think it was an organized rant. Why don't y'all let me know? Leave a comment or leave a review or leave both wherever you listen to podcasts and just let me know what y'all thought of today's episode. The cultural tidbit for today is I want you guys to really think about a cultural decision that you are in a dilemma about making or that you have been in a dilemma about making in the past and you've already made your decision. And I want you to ask yourself a few questions. I'm finna finna lay them out for you. So if you wanna get your phone ready or your paper and pen ready or your tablet ready or your computer, whatever you listen to, I'm gonna give you a quick second second up. Okay. (laughs) I want you to ask yourself these questions. Did you make that decision purely based off of your race? And, or if a person was involved, did you consider that person's race in your decision-making as well? Was that the best decision for you? Or were you being biased based off of race? I just want y'all to think about those things. Write them down if you need to. Use it as like journal prompts. Do one at a time. Do two at a time. Do all of them at the same time. But I really want you to like really, really think about your cultural decisions. And if you've, you know, if you've made the right decision. And I want you to challenge yourself a little bit more and really think about if you need to challenge your thinking. I know I had to. I'm just keeping it real. So think about those things. It was really, really good to pop on today. I'm so glad I'm back on schedule, y'all. You know, the baby don't sleep on my chest no more. So I got, I've been having to figure out a different way to record the podcast. And it looked like on this monitor that she is awake. So she got perfect timing. But I'm glad that I'm finally back on Wednesdays because for the past two weeks I've been here on Thursdays but you know life happens anyway let me go ahead and get the baby because here she come crawling all righty until the next time we chat I really hope that you do something that'll help you bloom into your best self and I am so excited to have you come back and join me next week so that you can walk another day in my culture